In the collect, or opening prayer of this Mass, the Church prayed this, Grant us, Lord our God, that we may honor you with all our mind and love everyone in truth of heart. But if we are to honor God with all our mind and love everyone in truth of heart, then we must first understand our own hearts and minds, something that can be very difficult to do. So we must ask, what motivates us? Why do we do the things we do? Understanding the reasons why we choose and act is an essential part of self-knowledge. And self-knowledge, in turn, is required for interior freedom and for authentic moral agency. This, in part, is what Socrates meant when he said at the trial which condemned him to death that the unexamined life is not worth living. Because of man's fall from grace, we are often motivated primarily by the longing for power, prosperity, pleasure, and popularity. And although these things are not wrong in themselves, they can so very easily become idols which take the place of authentic worship in our hearts and minds. But even when power, prosperity, pleasure, and popularity are used well, they are not permanent things, and so they cannot give our lives meaning or purpose. So then where can we find authentic self-knowledge, interior freedom, and moral agency in the service of an upright life? One answer is provided in our first lesson today. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the earth who have observed his law. Seek justice, seek humility. Perhaps you may be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. These are the words of the prophet Zephaniah, who proclaimed the word of God in Jerusalem at the time of the prophet Jeremiah, in the years just before the conquest of the kingdom of Judah in 587 BC. More than any other prophet, Zephaniah spoke about the end of days, the last day, the great and terrible day of the Lord, on which the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will reveal himself to all flesh and will judge all nations and persons according to their deeds. And against that day of judgment, this is how Zephaniah admonished Israel to find security. Seek the Lord, seek justice, seek humility. To seek the Lord is to devote oneself to the worship and service of the one only living and true God and to the study of his revealed word. But no one can seek the Lord in spirit and truth who does not also seek justice and humility meaning that a right relationship with God is impossible without a right relationship with all other people. Righteousness comes first from grace through faith, but that faith, that faith must lead by grace to righteous deeds if our lives are not to put the lie to our words. And this way of linking right belief and right behavior to right belonging is at the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, 
from which we read today the first 12 verses as recorded by St. Matthew in chapter 5 of his Gospel. Recall that last week the Gospel ended with crowds of people gathering from many places to hear the Lord Jesus teach them about the Kingdom of God. And today Matthew tells us that seeing the great crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them. These apparently small details of place, posture, and pedagogy are actually at the heart of this passage. Like Moses before him, who went up a high place to receive the word of God and lead the people to freedom from Pharaoh, the Lord Jesus, who is the word of God made flesh, ascended a high place to teach the people and lead them to freedom from sin and death. We think of distinguished educators standing at a podium to teach, but in the ancient world, teachers spoke from a chair, leading to the custom of saying that scholars hold endowed chairs from which to teach. And so the Lord Jesus ascended a high place and sat down. And then he opened his mouth to teach the crowds. In antiquity, the spoken word, much more than the written word, was essential to authentic teaching. And so when Christ commanded his apostles to teach all nations what he had taught them, he was sending them to preach the gospel rather than to write it down. That is why the symbol of the authority of bishops to teach the gospel is a chair, a cathedral, rather than a writing desk. And having sat down, what did the Lord Jesus then teach the crowds? On a hill by the Sea of Galilee, the Savior taught the people the way to eternal beatitude, to everlasting happiness, to the blessedness of honoring God with all our minds and of loving all others in truth of heart. And that way of beatitude does not include power, prosperity, pleasure, or popularity. Imagine that for your entire life you lived in fear and in danger from war, famine, and disease. Imagine that you were confronted always and everywhere by privation and injustice and that hunger and sickness were always close at hand. Imagine that the strong always dominated the weak and used them to their personal advantage. Imagine that sudden calamity might befall you and those you love at any moment, and that brutal conflict and oppression were ever present in your life. Now, hear the good news of salvation as though for the first time. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, 
for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Friends, the way of the Lord Jesus, the way of self-denial and service of others, is the only path to perfect self-knowledge, interior freedom, and moral agency. And when we receive the Savior's teaching and shape our lives by his words, then by grace, through faith, hope, and love, we are on the path of beatitude, no matter what sacrifices we must make or what suffering we must endure to remain faithful. That is what St. Paul was seeking to teach the Christians in Corinth in the second lesson today. And we should take his teaching to heart ourselves. Consider your own calling, brethren. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. In our lives, if we are given the opportunity to experience power, prosperity, pleasure, or popularity, then we should receive these blessings with gratitude and exercise them with humility while remaining mindful always that these gifts are not for our own benefit. Such blessings are given to us to be used for the benefit of others and for the glory of God, or else they become false gods that lead us to destruction. But if instead, and much more likely for most people, we receive weakness, poverty, suffering, and alienation, then we must understand that we are still blessed by the Lord and not accursed, because the path of beatitude, the way of eternal happiness, is the way of the Lord Jesus, which is always the way of the cross. As St. Paul has it, God chose the lowly and despised of the world, those who count for nothing, to reduce to nothing those who are something so that no man might boast before God. Friends, only by God's grace are we made a new creation in Christ Jesus, who is both the wisdom of God and our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Trusting and living this saving truth by grace through faith is the only way we can fulfill the prayer of the church that we may honor God with all our mind and love all others in truth of heart. And that, in turn, is how we bear witness to everyone we meet that Jesus Christ is Lord.